G'day, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Rare and Resilient One in Five Thousand podcast. Thanks for the feedback we've had from the episode one, where you just heard my dulcet tones. But thankfully, this week we've got a special guest, and it's my pleasure to introduce Chantel, who is from Tasmania, Australia, who is the mother of a beautiful little boy, Bailey, who's two years old who uh, was born with IARM and some other issues, which we will discuss. Um, hi, Chantel. Pleased to meet you. Although I do have missed you. Hello. Before. How are you going? Good. You all excited about this, are you? Oh, I'm pretty excited. I might get a bit tongue-tied. That's okay. That's okay. That's what, that's what the editing button's for, okay? So what we're yep. going to do is Bailey's story... And Chantel's story is in chapter 28 of the book, page 53. So what we're going to do is Chantel's going to read her story from the book. So, and it'll give everybody an idea to hear the emotion and just the, from the personal perspective. So Chantel, over to you. Thank you. Okay. All right. So Bailey's story. My name is Chantel and I am a mum of two boys, Bentley and Bailey. And I want to tell you what it, what it is like for me to have a child with a medical condition. When you decide to have a baby, you do not really think that you will end up having a baby born with medical issues or with a disability. It is just not on your mind. But my Bailey was born with a medical condition called Bactrel. Bailey was born with multicystic kidneys, hemivertebrae with possible tethering of the spinal cord and imperforated anus which was classed as high, along with a fistula and a few other issues. My medical journey with Bailey has been incredible. It has been eye-opening and it makes me appreciate things from a different perspective. Bailey is now 18 months old and I was on this journey even before he was born. At my 12-week scan, the doctors advised me that my unborn baby had multicystic kidneys. They had a concern but told me that he should be fine and they would check it out again at the 20-week scan. When I had that scan, it showed that his kidneys were not that great, and then we were referred to a specialist. While I was pregnant, we saw the specialist, and they were not that worried and said, all this is common with boys, and he will go on to live a normal life. They did not know that there were other health complications going on, which were not identifiable at the time. I am sitting here writing this now and it is making me so anxious as I am reliving the most traumatic experience of my life. I will never ever forget the moment where my newborn baby momentarily died in my arms. Bailey was delivered by cesarean and I was cradling him in my arms an hour after he was born. His little face suddenly changed colour and he went purple. I said to my stepmom, who was the only one in the room with me at the time, my partner Luke had just stepped, just left the room to go outside, that something is wrong, he has gone purple. She immediately grabbed him off me and started doing CPR. I could not even reach the buzzer. When Luke walked back in, my stepmom said, go out there and scream for help. Okay, I'm going to get a bit teary here. Yeah, no, that's fine. The next thing I knew... <laughs> Oh, it's just, you know, I don't think I've actually read it out loud. <laughs> That's what it's um, all about. So just take your time. The next we're thing all, We're all here listening. Thank you. Thank you. 
The next thing I knew, Bailey was ripped out of her, her arms and about 30 doctors came running out of nowhere. All I remember is hearing over the PA system, code blue, code blue, maternity, code blue. The next hour felt like a lifetime as I was hopelessly sobbing my heart out, waiting to see what had happened with my son. I could not even move as I had had a cesarean. What was even worse, I had convinced myself I had killed my baby while I had him on my breast. I thought I had suffocated him. The doctors finally came back in and said that Bailey was on life support and that he would require surgery within 24 hours. They had discovered he had an perforated anus and that they needed to run some investigations and medical tests to see what was going on. I could not believe it. I had no idea what that even meant. I did not even know if my son was going to make it through. Plus, they could not explain why he had stopped breathing, which was extremely concerning. They, all they said was that they had resuscitated him for three minutes. Oh. That's okay. Take your time. All That's I wanted to <laughs> thank, thank you. All I wanted to do was hold my baby and I could not. I remember trying to get into a wheelchair, but I could not move. And I cried and I cried and I cried. I've never cried so much in my life. Finally, the nurses were nice enough to wheel my bed into the NICU, where for a tiny short minute, a lovely nurse let me hold Bailey. I got to hold him for one minute, just one minute. I was told when I could and could not hold my baby as it was crucial that he was put back in the incubator. So after a minute, I got wheeled back to the room where I lay crying my heart out. After several hours had passed, I managed to get in a wheelchair and I was able to sit at Bailey's bedside. Within 24 hours of being born, he had his first surgery where his stoma was created. I was now learning something completely new and I had no idea that they made colostomy bags tidy enough for a little baby who was only five pounds. It was crazy. The next 14 days were horrific because I was not allowed to stay overnight with him. It was horrible travelling back and forth to the hospital, being there all day and leaving each night. For me, leaving my newborn baby in a hospital bed while I go, while I had to go home was absolutely heartbreaking and I hated every second of it. I lived 45 minutes away from the hospital and I remember leaving and sobbing all the way home. A few weeks went by and a few more tests were conducted. It was discovered that there was a, fitch, a fitchula causing Bailey to weepoo which was greatly distressing, as you can imagine. We then had a meeting with the paediatric surgeon in Hobart and he said because of the complex complexity of Bailey's condition and that the gap, which was 3.2 centimetres, was too high for him to deal with, he referred us to Associate Professor Sebastian King at the Royal Children's Hospital Melbourne who specialised in complex conditions such as Bailey's. When Bailey was three months old, we flew from Hobart to Melbourne, a one-hour flight, and we had a consultation appointment with Sebastian. He then ran through what the next stage of life would be for Bailey, and at four months old, Bailey had major surgery, which was called a PSARP, P-S-A-R-P, and we were in the hospital for a week. We went home after discharge but had to return two weeks later to be shown how to do dilatations. 
I will never forget the first time Sebastian showed us how to do it. I was so scared. I had thought to myself, there is no way I would ever be able to do this. To have to stick something up my son's bottom, every fibre of my body was telling me that doing this to our son was not normal. But it was the reality for us and to help Bailey, this had to become our new normal. Oh, that's so horrible. I know. They still are, but we're not doing them as much anymore. Thankfully for him. <laughs> yes, and, and for me. <laughs> Let me tell you, dilatations are horrible. The most horrible thing I've ever had to do or overcome. I never thought I would ever be okay with this process as it is so overwhelming and scary. I mean, you are sticking a metal rod up your son's bottom. It was so confronting and no parent ever imagines that they would ever have to do that, but we did. And we are still doing it and it is horrible, but I know at the end of the day it is to help him. We travelled back and forth for a couple of months as we progressed in size and we would have short two-day visits in Melbourne. This is our journey and we are doing what he needs to get him to where he needs to be. We eventually progressed through the dilatation rod sizes and although there were hiccups along the way we have finally progressed to size 12. When I noticed Bailey was crying every time I was doing it and he started peeing pus. That is when I knew something else was going on. He had an MRI and it showed that he had a cyst located behind where the fistula was at the back of the now is it urethra? Sorry. It was causing a lot of discomfort during the dilatations and needed to be fixed before we could proceed to the next size and stage. To go back to size 9 and 10 dilatations, dilatations after the MRI until Bailey could have surgery on the cyst. However, because of COVID-19, it was put on hold and we had to slow down to stop causing him so much discomfort. We did not have that surgery until July, which was in the middle of the pandemic here in Melbourne. Travelling interstate in the middle of a pandemic has caused us to be COVID swabbed, COVID tested and to self-isolate at home. Then after the hospital visits in Melbourne, we had to wait for approval to go home. Being away so many times and not being able to have any support has been crazy. In July 2020, we went back to RCH Melbourne for a series of tests and procedures, which included an ex exploratory laparotomy to find the bleeding, which they didn't find, the division of fistula, a cystoscopy for the cyst near his pee and sperm line, which took them two and a half hours to dissect, and an orchiopexy. Orchiopexy, yes. Yeah, that's where they bring the testicle down. Is that the one? Yes, which... Yeah, which is stage one of the dropping of his testicle. Because yes. I had the same operation as Bailey. So um, another thing we've got in common. Yes, he's got to have stage two in the next three months in right. Melbourne. Yep. I mean, sure, it would be hard given the circumstances, but in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, it was even harder. I also have to leave my son Bentley at home, who is seven, and even... And even though he understands a little bit, he wants to come every time we travel to Melbourne. He struggles with me being away and has issues of his own, of his own. As he feels really left out, it is 
it's horrible and I hate that he feels like this. I try my absolute best to reassure him every time. We had to travel back to Melbourne again and on the 29th of October 2020, Bailey had his stoma closure surgery. I had never felt so many mixed emotions about this surgery. And when Bailey woke up in the next 24 to 48 hours, were so extremely difficult. He cried so much and I don't know if it's because he knew things were changing or if it was pain or if it was just a mixture of everything, but I didn't realise how different I was going to feel about this. But on the 1st of November 2020, after 18 months of having the colostomy bag on, Bailey did his very first poo using his bottom. Yay. I couldn't believe that he was using his bum for the first time. I was so happy, but also a little sad that we had to say goodbye to the colostomy bag only because I knew things were changing. Who thought I'd get so many mixed emotions about poo? I could not have done this without the amazing support from the RCH and the, and the amazing medical team of Sebastian King and his wonderful team. I feel like I owe them a thousand lives and so many more for making this happen for my little boy. I could not have asked for it any better medical team to care and support Bailey through this. I know his journey is not over yet and it never will be, but I know he's in the right hands. I was also very blessed to have met Greg Ryan on this special trip to Melbourne and I am thankful he will be a part of our lives now and we will have someone else who will support us through this. Well, well done. <sighs> I know that well, thank you. was for you. How did you feel just reading it back for the first time? Because you wouldn't have read it for a while, I'd imagine, after, since you wrote it. No, I think I read it when we first got the book. Um, and then if, when some family and friends have come, um, I've, you know, showed them the book and showed them the story. So then I've kind of reread it then. But I haven't actually read it out loud. You did very well. And I just want Thank to you. let everybody know that on the 25th of October, when Chantal and Bailey were over, I went into the hospital and met met them both for the first time. And if you go to the book where my rare and resilient page is, you'll see a photo of me and the little fella um, just under the uh, poem. And it meant a lot to me because Bailey was about to get his stoma closed and I had the same surgery 54 years previously at the same hospital. So Bailey and I will always have a very special connection. So, um, no, I'm as, I feel as honoured to meet Bailey and Chantel as I ever had. Now, I know you've had a few uh, more tests since the uh, – Bailey's had a few more tests since the surgery, initial surgery and the book. Um, yes. Chantel, so do you want to just talk about those? Where we're we up um... to now? Okay, so we had a suspected tethered spinal cord. We had an MRI March 21, so just recently, and it has shown that he has, it is a tethered spinal cord, but it's not a tethered spinal cord, but it's called a fatty tilium, which is a fatty field. They call it a tumour, but it's like a cyst basically, right. and where yep. it's sitting, it needs to be, um, removed or it can delay his growth because they also found that he has chari malformation. And if he didn't have the chari malformation, um, they wouldn't be too, con they'd be still concerned about the cyst, but they wouldn't be wanting to get it done as quick. 
Yeah, and we've we did a bit of research on this, and the Chiari malformation is connected to a lot of some kids with an anorectal malformation, isn't it? Yes, which I have now discovered, and there's been on the is it the Vactral Association Facebook group. I've connected with a couple of mums on there who have had the same thing. Yeah. Also. Oh, that good. Yeah. It must that must have been a bit of reassurance considering what they found for you. Yes, well, especially when I Googled Chari malformation and it said um, brain surgery, but, I mean, it could happen in the future, but I don't want to focus on that just yet. No, no. So where where did they actually find the, the cyst? Whereabouts in the body was that? It is, so it's right down the bottom um, between, so he's got the hemivertebrae and it must be linked down to that somewhere. I can't remember exactly where she said, but I know it's the lower end of the spine. Oh, yeah, so it's down the lower end. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I was trying to work out. So, well. So it must be all connected to the hemivertebrae because it's all kind of like, it's all kind of like the right side, all like everything seems to be on one side where it's. Oh, all, really? Yeah. Yeah. And how is he going, the little fella, at the moment? doing really good we had a early development clinic appointment so he is where he's at for a two-year-old emotionally and probably not emotionally but like he's more like you know he's where a two-year-old should be at with like play and speech and everything yeah well that's great considering what he's had to endure with all the hospital visits and especially the travel from interstate you know getting on a plane and having to go and miss his brother and his dad and all that it must be just as hard on him as it has been on you. Yes, he is very much, but he's very much a mama's boy too. <laughs> well, I think most of us are, I can tell you. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, there's nothing wrong with that. No, nah, that's right. So um, thanks so much, Chantel. It's, uh, I'm, I'm just so wrapped that we've been able to hear and hear your story and Bailey's story. And as I say, it, it means an extra special for me because I've, in our community because we're all over the world to actually find and to meet kids and parents in person is it's a, it's a real privilege for me. And I know how much you've gone through and you continue to go through and what you've been through as well. And it's uh, just wonderful. Do I hear Bailey in the background there? Do I? No, I think that was Bentley. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to see, did you want to see Bailey? Yeah, absolutely. It would be lovely if I could just see him to say hello. I'll, I'll see you, Paolo. I'll take my headphones out. Yeah? Yep, yep. See you, Tristan. Will you say hello? Say hello, Bailey. Say hello. Hello, Bailey. Remember me? Say hello. Say hello. Hello, Bailey. My volume's up. That's okay. Oh, See if you can say hello. Hi. Hello, oh, Bentley. Hello, hello, Bailey. Hello. Hello, Bentley. We're trying to get your brother to say hello. Do you reckon he'll say hello? Say hello. 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 Say hello. Can you say hello? Bailey. Are you jumping up? Can you say hello? Say hello. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, say hello. 
jump. Oh, you're going to jump. He's going to no. jump. Okay. Very <laughs> <laughs> about no. bag. Yeah. Are you going to come and say hello? You're not allowed to jump off the couch. <laughs> <laughs> you could have jumped in Carlson for his birthday. Oh, he does. Oh, that's wonderful. One more. One more. <laughs> He's not going to say hello. Sorry. No, that's all right. No, that's fine. That's okay. It was good to have it just in case. Yes. So I get a recording. I'll send it to you. Yeah, no, that's good. So once again, thanks so much. It's been wonderful. Uh, you're the first of many, many parents who've been showing interest in being a part of the Rare and Resilient 1 in 5,000 podcast. And it's good to have an Aussie first up too. So they can, they're used to my accent now, so they should be able to be right with yours. All right. You take care, Chantel, and we'll be in touch. You already. too. Okay. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye.